0: Hello, hello. You are listening to Permission to Pivot. This is your host, Kayla McCall. On today's episode, we're talking to Danny sticka She is the founder of Imperfectly Tidy. She found cleaning and organizing after having a life-changing health scare, and it just really encouraged her to just bring more order to her life and find more joy with having less. I think that you're going to find this episode to be super inspiring. I think she's So brave, so strong, and I'm just so happy that she was here to share. So let's get into it. Hey, Danny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm very excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you. Yes. I've been listening to your podcast for a little while, um, and I know that it's something, it's not super new, but it's like
1: new-ish, right? Yeah. I want to say I launched it the second or third week in January. So it's pretty new.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I'm a total geek for organizing and just home stuff in general. I'm a realtor. um, And so for me, as I'm sure you know, this kind of stuff I love, like this is the kind of stuff that I send to my sellers and I'm like, listen to this, <laughs> you need to do these things. And so, um, I find it super interesting. So, um, I just wanted to start with that, letting you know that I think it's really great. I love what oh, you're thank doing. You. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll jump into our icebreaker question. I ask all my guests this right at the top. What was it that you said you wanted to be when you grew up when people would ask you?
1: It's pretty funny. I used to tell people that I wanted to be a wedding planner.
0: Oh my god! Plan weddings, yeah. I love. I did that for seven years. (laughs) You did? (laughs) I did. Yes, I did. I owned an event planning company with my best friend for seven years before COVID hit. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's a wild. Well, the funny, it is. So that's the funny thing is, I ended up getting into the event industry. The only wedding I've ever planned was my own. So it never happened for me, but lots of other events. So, (laughs) yeah.
0: Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. I have a lot of uh, amazing memories. And I think the just the life perspective I gained during that career, I feel like was really, really powerful. And I think it really helped me during real estate too, because navigating these two very important (laughs) times in people's lives. Yeah. But my best friend- my best friend was the same as you growing up. She said she wanted to be a wedding planner. She was the one that like for Christmas would ask for like a subscription to like bride magazine and stuff like that. <laughs> Were you like that too? Did you just love all things like wedding and love, or was it more the planning that excited the planning. you? Okay. Got it. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Well, that's really, really fun. So you said the only wedding you planned was your own. So you yeah. didn't go into that direction fully, but you got into events a little bit. What's mm-hmm. kind of the backstory on, you know, growing up, did you end up going to college for like event management and things like that? Or mm-hmm. what was kind of that route for you?
1: I went to college and ended up just getting a very traditional communication degree. Mm-hmm. I was going, I was, oh, I always wanted to be a wedding planner. And then the later part of high school, heading into college, I kind of fell in love with journalism and writing and the news and So I thought I was going to be like the next Barbara Walters. And so Mm -hmm. that was my whole trajectory through, I mean, I have so many pivots, but that was my whole trajectory through college. And then my senior year of college, I did like a six to eight month internship at Channel 12 KPTV Mm -hmm. here in Portland. And it was amazing. I'm so glad I did it because I learned right before graduation that the news was not a place for me. And ended up going back to the event industry, like right upon graduation.
0: (laughs) What was it about the news that made you decide it was not for you?
1: They, um, they are the news and they need to get the news and they need to get stories that are compelling and, Mm -hmm. uh, emotion inducing. And so they had sent me and a video guy to sit outside of someone's house whose child had been, um, taken by the other parent and wasn't supposed to wasn't supposed to be with that other parent. And then the Mm -hmm. mother was finally getting her son back and they wanted me there like when they were getting home. And I was like, yeah, I'll go and sit there, but I'm not doing that. It was like my own little like protest. Like, I'm not, there's no way. I'm yeah. mm -mm. And I realized that's what it was going to take Mm -hmm. for me to get anywhere in the business. And so I finished up my internship. I graduated a month later and that was it. I was like, and okay, not, let's start yeah. over.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like, like you said, it's it was such a great thing that happened that you had that internship and that opportunity to really work in the field before. Oh yeah. You know, fully because com- imagine if you just would have been like, yeah, this is what I'm going to graduating, take a job there, and then and then find all that out. That would have feel like maybe would have been way more devastating.
1: Oh yeah, because in order to get anywhere to, you have to start off in really small markets. And so I would have had to relocate it to a really small town in Idaho or Montana or Iowa. I would have had to pick up my whole life. And then I would have found out, Oh my, what is this? And then really had to start all over. So I had an amazing experience at channel 12. The people were incredible. So kind. I learned so much. I think my writing skills really took off during that time, mm-hmm. but It just wasn't a career that was going to fit with me. Yeah. I think with my own personal moral standards.
0: For sure. And I feel like, gosh, what a, what a hard job. I feel like you don't think about that when you watch people on, on the news, especially the ones that are like behind the desk reporting. But then when, yeah, when you see people out in the field, having to like pull
1: the sadness out, you're like, Oh no, no, (laughs) no. And they have to go. There's a lot that they have to deal with too. And It's Mm -hmm. tough. It's a tough job.
0: Yeah. So you realized that was not for you. So you went back on the path of, okay, I'm going to do events now. Um, And what did that look like? Where were you? Were you working
1: at like a hotel and event space doing your own thing? I got a job with a company here in Portland called Jeff Sanders Promotions. Mm -hmm. And we did golf tournaments for Mm. like large corporations. One of the first ones I did was for GI Joe's when that was still a company here in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. That was so much fun. And then we would go to Boise, Idaho and do um, an amateur. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we just did like some of the Safeway um, classics and we would go to like Florida for Winn-Dixie for their, the grocery store down there for their golf tournaments. So yeah, it was like these corporate golf tournaments and that's that's where I started off and it was very fun. I love it. Okay.
0: Yeah. How long did you do that for?
1: I was there a little over a year and then... I got married and had my girls very soon after. So mm-hmm. I was only in the working world for a little bit before marriage. And yeah. I only thought I was gonna have one baby and then I had two. We had twins. So oh, it kind of my gosh. for a curveball for a little yeah.
0: While. <laughs> yeah. Uh two twin girls. I have daughters too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How old are they? They're 14. Oh my gosh. We're port. just about to get ready to go into high school. So lots of, they're also pivoting. Lots I was going to say that that's <laughs> a pivot too. Yeah. I have one that's about to go into middle school mm-hmm.
0: and, and then a second, almost second grader. Yes.
1: Um, yes. I love second grade. Oh my second gosh. Second grade was really good.
0: That age is just really, really great. It's, it's it really, is. really good. I want to freeze her at this age.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely, that was like the honeymoon phase. I felt like, Mm-hmm. -hmm. Was that like first grade through sixth grade? I was like, oh man, this is amazing. Give me Mm -hmm. eight more of these. (laughs) Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, so then did you pivot into full time mom life? Was that Mm -hmm. your? Okay. Okay. Perfect. I did. I was home
1: with my girls.
0: Yeah. What was that like after working full time and then being a stay at home mom to twins?
1: I always, um, I knew I wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And so it was very easy for me to just pivot into being home with them full-time. It was hard. Um, It was really hard. It's hard to have one baby at once Mm -hmm. and, you know, being home with a baby is really difficult, but I definitely look back at that time. I'm really glad that I did it and that I was the full-time parent Mm -hmm. home with them and volunteered. Like when they got into school, volunteering in their classroom and just Mm -hmm. getting to be that primary parent. I just, I loved it. I have so many good memories from that time and I made some really good friends and it was a, it was a good time.
0: Yeah. So at what point during that time, did you decide that you wanted to try something else that you wanted to maybe bring something else into the mix of being a stay-at-home mom?
1: When they were in kindergarten, I reached out to my old boss at Jeff Sanders Promotions, the man who hired me, and I reached out to him and I said, you know, I'm looking for something super, super part-time, just something to do a few hours a week while the girls are in school. And can I put you down as a reference? And he had started a business of his own during the time that I had been home. And he said, well, if you're looking for something, then why don't you just come and work with me? And he had started his own event company doing Nonprofit benefit auctions. He had mm-hmm. went to school to become an auctioneer, mm-hmm. and then he also did a couple. Uh, he had a couple golf tournaments that he was still doing for um, a couple of nonprofits, and so I just jumped in and started working with him again. And I did that for a couple of more years, and then everything came to a halt in 2016 when I got sick, and so that's when like the okay. major life pivot mm-hmm. really happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, explain that a little bit. So in 2016, January of that year, the girls had turned seven, and we took them to Disneyland, and they we were there for a week. We had the best time ever, and then we got home, and a week later, I started feeling really sick, and we couldn't figure out what was going on, and it was about a week of in and out of the ER and in and out of urgent care, and then finally, like day six, when things had progressed to the point where. I couldn't really walk. And it was like, what is going on? Yeah, They did a spinal tap because that's the only way you can diagnose Guillain-Barre syndrome is through the spinal tap. And that's when they found out that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And then it was a year long process of just getting my life back at that point. It was a really rough year. So what is, you said, how do you say it? I know it's so weird. I had (laughs) never heard of it. It's called Guillain-Barre syndrome. I just call it GBS. Okay.
0: So what is GBS? How is it like, what are the, what are the, I'm curious because I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. When you hear of somebody being impacted in this way with some kind of, um, disease or sickness or whatever, it's like, it's in our nature to be like, oh my gosh, what are, what are the symptoms? How do you know? What do you know? <laughs> and then it sounds like this might be like a rare thing, but I feel like yeah. as we all get older, we just start hearing more and more of people getting sick and and these things happening. And so it's, it's a natural thing to be like, what happened? Like we want to know yeah. everything because it's, it's so real and you had seven-year-olds. And so your whole life just had to, like you said, had to just shift. And I just cannot even imagine what that it, looked like. That is,
1: yeah, it was ugly. So basically what GBS does is it causes you to be, it causes temporary paralysis. And so it starts at your feet and okay. it moves its way up. And it really depends on when you catch it and when you start treatment, how bad it'll get. And so as it moves its way up, um those things just stop working. So like So were you you left- said you were
0: feeling sick.
1: Yeah. Like I thought I had the flu Mm -hmm. and, or like some sort of a bad cold. Yeah. And my lower back was really hurting me. Mm -hmm. And then eventually a couple of days later, I was my, um, I was having trouble like staying conscious. Like I was passing out all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it got to the point where I couldn't walk. And so like my husband, his name's Jesse he's on the phone with like neurologists and Mm -hmm. chiropractors and he's like, so scary. Yeah. They had done like MRIs and all these different things and they just couldn't figure out what it was. And it just had to get to the point where it was really bad before they could figure it out because very few people even know what GBS is. Mm -hmm. Um, Doctors, it's not something that they really study in school because I don't really know why. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's hard to diagnose and you have to get pretty far gone. And um, so, yeah, so I want to say it was like a Saturday when all that happened. And by that, like following Saturday, I was in the ICU and they had started the treatment. It's called IVIG and they have to do it for however many days. And then I was in the hospital for another month and then I had to go to rehab and then back in the hospital. It was quite an experience. So what was that like
0: with the girls?
1: It was hard.
0: Yeah. Cause they're old mm-hmm. enough to like need a conversation, yeah. right? Like you can't, it's hard to leave it at just like, Oh, mom's sick. It's like, I can think yeah. of my seven-year-old and that would not suffice for her. Right. Yeah. So I'm imagining you had to have some like tough conversations with them.
1: Yes. And honestly, I wasn't a part of any of that because yeah. I was so medicated and so far like out of it, um, Mm -hmm. they, they shielded them from me for a long time. Like they didn't come and see me in the worst of it when I was in the hospital because it would have been too jarring
0: for them. Mm -hmm.
1: So yeah, I mean, I left one night and then they didn't see me again for weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that makes me want to cry.
0: Um, (laughs) what, so I want to let you continue to tell your story before I ask any more questions. So you're in the ICU, you're getting all the treatments. You said that that was a really long process before you were feeling well enough to be at home. And I'm sure there was aftercare stuff once you were at home as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was in and out of the hospital for six or seven months. The GBS, it always kind of picks a spot on people. And it's always a different spot for people. And so for me, it really focused in on my um, digestive system. And so I wasn't able to, not initially, but eventually it got to the point where I wasn't even allowed to drink water. So I had to be purely on a uh, nutrition called TPN, and it had to go in through a pick line in my arm. Mm -hmm. And that was how I had to get everything my liquids and my nutrition. And that's basically what kept me alive because the damage done to my stomach and everything was so severe. Even water was too much for me to process. It was crazy. That is So crazy. we, um, eventually I was home. I want to say it was late spring. And so my husband had to administer that every night. He had to get it ready and, put in all the vitamins and mix it all up. He had to go through all this training. Um, This and so might would be have a dumb sound. question.
0: I'm no. sorry to interrupt you. Mm-mm.
1: I've always wondered this
0: with people that have like feeding tubes or pick lines or whatever. Do you feel hungry? Is that like an, um? like I feel mm. um, like emotionally, because like I had to do like a liquid diet for 14 days and mm. I feel like what it did to like mentally was really rough. So I've always wondered people- that have to go through something like what you went through. Do you feel that sensation? Like, do you feel
1: like you're missing out? Like, do you? Or- For me, my nausea was so bad. Okay, that I never was hungry. Okay. but I was thirsty, and mm-hmm. I, I would hear people getting a glass of water, and mm-hmm. I would just be so angry at them. Yeah wow, must be nice to just get a glass of water whenever you want. I mean, just like so bitter towards Mm -hmm. (laughs) them.
0: Yeah. Which I feel like is so understandable. That's such like a simple thing, but when it's Mm -hmm. taken away from you, I can only imagine a mental, like mentally it it does, it has to do something to you.
1: Oh yes. I, we always laugh. I mean, we laugh about it now. My husband will tease me. He's like, you know how, you know, people will get sick and people are, you know, they'll say, wow, she's, you know, there's such a fighter and there's such a light. Jesse's always like, we weren't saying that about you. You <laughs> were a nightmare.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like, well, if you only knew how horrible it was.
1: I know. Uh, I'm like, it was horrible. Yeah, you're I mean, like, I There became, was no positivity there. Like, no, but, yeah. I mean, I was a monster and I I think the hardest part for everybody was I which is hard to imagine now but I became pretty much nonverbal because even speaking was like painful and would make me feel even more nauseous and so I just became like silent and so it was, which is hard to imagine now because Do they know like what caused something like that? There are certain things so sometimes um like getting the flu will, mm-hmm. um, like getting some sort of a virus. A lot of times is what triggers Guillain-Barre syndrome because what it is, is your, uh, why can't I think of the word? Um, Oh my gosh. The thing that keeps you from getting your, your immune uh, system, immune okay. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your immune system kicks in and it fights that virus And then it doesn't stop, like something gets triggered and it keeps continuing. And so then it's like attacking everything in your body. And that's what GBS does for me. If I had to make a guess for what happened to me was mine was stress induced because leading up to me getting sick, I was just like, it was the amount of stuff I had on my plate was Mm -hmm. insane. And I was irritated and angry and frustrated and I was drinking too much. And so I know my body was just like, we can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like
0: we gotta stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting how I'm sure there were other little signs and, you know, red flags along the way of your body trying to tell you to slow down and to, you know, take things off your plate. But it's so easy for us to just like try to power through. And then I mean that's like worst case scenario, what happened to you? but it was the ultimate yeah. slowdown. the ultimate. Now you have no
1: choice, but to oh, just yeah. rest and everything recover. was stripped. Like everything yeah. was stripped away. And yeah, it was the, the entire year to get back, um, to get my light, you know, to be able to drive again. And I remember a neighbor girl, she saw me the first time out driving and she would, her mom called and she's like, they saw you out driving today. They're so excited. And it was like
0: oh, a year later or something. Yeah.
1: It's like, yes, I'm driving. <laughs> I can I be trusted I'm- behind the wheel.
0: <laughs> right. I'm gaining some independence again. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's so wild. And I feel like, so I know there's other pivots that have ha- happened after that, but I have to ask with your girls now they're 14. So this happened seven ish years ago. Mm-hmm. How how did they feel about it? Do you feel like, do they, and and maybe a question for you too, do you have like residual anxiety about health or did they have feelings about it or how have you guys kind of recovered as a family from something like that?
1: Yeah, that definitely took some time. My, I always say my oldest daughter, cause she was the first one born, <laughs> but she um, had the hardest time with it because she just kind of deals with a little bit more anxiety than Mm -hmm. my other daughter. And it took her a long time to feel safe with me again Mm -hmm. and to feel comfortable with me again, because I had essentially just kind of disappeared from her life overnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then was gone. And all these other people had to step in and do all the things that I had been doing. Mm -hmm. Um. And then, because the GBS created such a severe form of gastroparesis, I was vomiting constantly. And so, even to this day, like she has a really hard time with anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like, there was one point where she felt like she was going to vomit a few years ago, and she she was in a full blown, just panic attack.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, we've definitely had to work through some of the the trauma that they went through yeah. during that time yeah and it's just one of those things that we're doing the best we can with it I mean they've definitely mm-hmm. we've definitely all moved and recovered from a lot of it but there's still some like residual things every now and then
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm sure I'm sure that's a really impactful time in their life and and yeah. I A sad part that you had to miss out on too because oh yeah you know I feel like the mom guilt we already feel just in general and then to physically not be able to do the things that we normally do and we normally take on and we take pride
1: in doing you know I feel like that had to be really hard it was very hard it was hard to not be a part you know they were in Girl Scouts at the time I was their troop leader and Mm -hmm. just I mean just all of it I had yeah there were, they were, they still are my whole life. And so Mm -hmm. to have missed all that. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. So then as you
0: were healing and recovering from that, what were some things that you were slowly starting to bring back into your life? Um, Mm -hmm. and what were some of the things that you maybe were deciding not to bring back into your life?
1: Yes. So I started to get better and I, like I've always loved working. And so I wanted to like get back to work. And I remember Jesse being like, "Mm, I think we need to hold off a little bit because Mm -hmm. you're not fully recovered and you need to be fully recovered before you can, you know, add anything. And I remember being so mad, like, how Mm -hmm. dare you? He was hundred percent. Right. I was pushing it early, but um, you know, I didn't like hearing that. Mm -hmm. And So I had to put off getting back to work for a while, but when it was finally time, I um, slowly started to reintroduce just really small things. Like I would help, his name was Patrick, who I used to work with during the event. So I would help Patrick, which is very small odds and ends here and there, just to kind of feel like I had a little bit of a purpose outside of the Mm -hmm. home and, and then, Starting second grade, I wanted to volunteer in the girls' school a little bit more. And so I would help their two teachers with um, organizing like all the books and things like that Mm -hmm. in their classroom because they had to do a new sorting system that year. And I was like, well, I can do that. And so Mm -hmm. because it just required me like scanning and putting on a sticker. And Mm -hmm. so I just started to do like really small things like that that gave me some purpose, but I could leave there. Mm -hmm. Like nothing was coming home with me. When I was home, I was home. Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm still trying to work out. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a constant balancing act for me. I'm, I'm just prone to taking on too much. I think it's just how we are as women. And I'm just constantly, (laughs) my husband laughs all the time. He's like, you just you take on too much, and then it it overflows into, you know. And then I'm like, "Hey, baby, you got to help me with this stuff." And he's like, "I don't sign up for these things." Uh huh.
0: <laughs> yep,
1: I feel like I do. I do the same things. I remember oh,
0: yeah. signing up to coach our girls' softball, and I never even <laughs> I never even played softball, but they needed a coach, and I was like, "Well." I'll do it. And then poor Brian just gets dragged into it. And now he's actually oh, a yeah. softball coach because
1: <laughs> I didn't know how to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I did that I, in soccer. Yeah. Yeah. They needed an assistant coach and I'm like, I've never played soccer in my life, but I can corral kids. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> if you need it, I will make it happen. Um, yeah. So I can definitely relate to you on that too. And, um, you know, that is something that I feel like is always a work in progress with me of trying to realize the things that I should actually say yes to. And that the things that I shouldn't feel bad about saying no to, but I feel like it is, it's a constant, it's a constant battle. It is.
1: And I think it's because we want to be a part of our community. Mm -hmm. We want, we're helpers. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we're trying to just stretch ourselves so thin, but we see it in other people and we're like, oh, we want to help them. So they're mm-hmm. not stressed. So thin." Mm-hmm. it's just this. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then
0: um, as you are trying to navigate that, I know that um, Imperfectly Tidy has come to be at some point. Mm-hmm. How
1: How did that all come about? So Imperfectly Tidy was born out of everything that happened with GBS leading up to it. Things were like a literal mess. My house was a mess. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't walk in and think, Oh my gosh, it's a mess in here, but like every drawer and cupboard and closet was just hacked. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that's how it was. You have two kids and your house is kind of a mess. And that's mm-hmm. just how it goes. And you have to buy things and you have to do things. And I learned after coming out of GBS and through like some, I discovered like some minimalist podcasts and things. I was like, wait, I I don't have to have all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't have to like try and keep up with our neighbors and just kind of learning about gratitude. And I was like, huh. So then yeah. I just tackled the house. I took about two years and I went through every nook and cranny in the house. And my husband was like, oh my gosh, she's going to get rid of all of this stuff. And then she's going to rebuy it all. But <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Yeah. And he was like, okay, this is good. We're on a good path. Like, this is this is actually something. And as I was trying to create a new like type of living for us, I was finding myself wrapped up still in the perfectionism of like, well, it's not perfect yet. And this cupboard's not perfect yet. And finally I was like, it's never going to be perfect. I just Mm -hmm. need it to be better than it was. Mm -hmm. And then that's just kind of where I'm perfectly tidy came from. It was just, I want my home tidy, but we live here Mm -hmm. and I don't need it to not look like we live here. Like Mm -hmm. people come here. They know we live here. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to fool anybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wanted to help other people who were also struggling with that. I want my home to be better, but is there a middle ground between it's a complete chaos and it's perfect container store. Perfect all the time. Like there's Mm -hmm. gotta be, something else. Like there's got to be another option.
0: Yeah. So you found that in between.
1: Yeah. I found that in between. And, and I realized it's sometimes about the stuff, the physical stuff, but a lot of times it's purely our habits and giving ourselves time to be able to manage things like the laundry and the dishes. Like if you're just running from thing to thing, to thing, there's no time to just take a few minutes and take care of the things. And then move on and mm-hmm. I just realized wow you got to give yourself that breathing room. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I literally yesterday was running around the house and I was like, oh I need to take a shower, but I also need to do laundry. Husband's like, take <laughs> take a shower. Can you just yeah. do that first? Take care of yourself first and then yes. do the other things. Because yeah, I feel like especially when you work from home and stuff, it's so easy to get caught up in every other thing and then feel like you've just been running in a hamster wheel all day long,
1: all day long. You feel like you haven't gotten anywhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Have you created some really great systems that you've started to be able to share with people that you feel like have been impactful? Um, I know you have some great episodes on your podcast about different tips and tricks. Um, has that kind of evolved for you?
1: Yeah. And it's always changing because I work with such different people. And mm-hmm. so I always take a little something from everybody. But I think the biggest thing for me has just been giving myself the breathing room to have the time to take care of the things. So, yeah, like I need to take a shower, but I also need to do laundry and realizing take the shower, do the things that you need to do to get yourself ready. The laundry's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. The dishes aren't going anywhere. And just that, like the slowing down of like the dishes and the laundry and the groceries, those are constants. You can Mm -hmm. count on them. They're going to be a part of your everyday life. So if it is too many dishes and too much laundry, what can we do so we can pair it back? Mm -hmm. So my thing is like towels. If you're washing, you know, 30 towels a week, that's going to feel like a lot because you're just constantly washing towels. But if you can pull it down to where each person in the house has two towels, let's just Mm -hmm. say all of a sudden you have more space in your cabinets. You're doing one load of towels a week. All of a sudden, just having a little bit less gives you a lot more as far as like your time back. Yeah. And so for me, just finding out What can we just kind of cool down a little bit for you so that you just have a little bit more time Mm -hmm. and just also helping people be okay with, you know, I was thinking like, gosh, the summer coming, I don't know if you have the cup situation like we do at our house, like you Mm -hmm. don't need a new cup every time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, maybe we'll just get paper cups. Mm -hmm. Like I know some of the, you know, greenies might come after me, but sometimes you just have to do things to make your life a little easier and Mm -hmm. just like take the judgment off of yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. I feel like we've, uh, gotten or we went and I guess this is buying something, but, uh, we (laughs) went to target the other day and we're like, all right, you're each going to get a new water bottle, like for the summer for that. I'm like, and you fill it up every morning. And that is just what you have all day long. Like, cause the same thing. I'm like when they're home all day during the summer, the food and the dishes and all it's just (laughs) insane. And there is no magic way. I wish I was someone that could like keep this schedule during the summer and what it's just not me. I'm just, I'm just happy if they've at least eaten one or two meals and not just (laughs) had Pringles all day, but you know, I, I feel like you try to set things up the best way you can and do the little things like get the paper cups or buy the water bottle that can like help a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's not going to be perfect. And we just have no. to give ourselves a break. Like like you said, imperfectly tidy. You've got to just give yourself some grace yeah. when it comes to all this stuff.
1: Yes. And letting go of the idea that your house is going to be clean 24 seven. It's just not, especially mm-hmm. in the summer when your kids are home, you're going uh-huh. to have stuff all over the counters. You're going to have dishes in your sink. And that's yeah. just, it's just just what it is, is. yeah,
0: <laughs> so, um, I know that before we start recording, you had mentioned that you kind of have a new pivot coming <laughs> into play. Um, we touched on, you know, kind of where you've come. And now I'm excited to know what is it that you're
1: diving into? What is it that we need to know about?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> Nothing's nothing official yet, but I've decided to go back into the work world. Mm-hmm. I'm not shutting down. I'm perfectly tidy because I think of her as like my little best friend and she's mm-hmm. like my little buddy and I love her. So she's not going anywhere. I love my podcast. Um, I love the people I get to talk to. And I love what I do as far as helping people getting their homes in order or helping them get ready to move. I just absolutely love it, but I'm going to love it more if it's becomes more of a hobby again, mm-hmm. because I decided it was a hobby for a long time. Um, Imperfectly Tidy was sort of came about the end of 2017, 2018. And I didn't do anything with it until the end of 2020. And it was a good pivot at that time because the girls were in fifth grade and we were doing the zoom school and I was getting calls left and right while I was at work about she said this and no, she said this. And I was like, okay, I kind of feel like I need to be home with them Mm -hmm. right now because this isn't good for anybody. This isn't working. Yeah. This isn't working for them. And so my husband and I talked about it and he was like, yeah, doing perfectly tidy. Take it, take it on the road. Like Mm -hmm. let's do this. And I was like, yeah, it feels like a good time. And it was, and I'm so glad I did it, but I am ready to I like working in an office. I like having coworkers and I've really been missing that camaraderie and I've really been missing going to work and then being done. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I've just been working around the clock since I started in Perfectly Tidy. I'm preaching to the choir, especially as a real estate agent. Uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm loving that you're sharing this because I think so much it's the other way around, right? people are leaving the office or whatever. And, and I get that. Mm-hmm. That is great too, but yes, there is something to be appreciated about that workplace environment. And I totally get where you're coming from. I did the same thing where I quit my business. And when I did event planning and I went and got like a nine to five job, cause I just wanted to go to work and come home mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. be at work. <laughs> so yes. I, I
1: love it. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Um, but I'm still scheduling clients. I just had mm-hmm. a call yesterday and I'm ske- and I'm just scheduling it around my new schedule. Yeah. Which is yeah. what I was doing anyway. Yeah. I would still have to schedule around my schedule. So mm-hmm. um I'm excited for it to go back to being just something that I have fun for and passion for mm-hmm. and a hobby that obviously makes money. Yeah. But yeah. Just um yeah.
0: I'm really but excited it- about it. Yeah, it can kind of have its place where you want it to and it doesn't have to yeah. be all encompassing
1: and then you can yes. love it more. Yeah, I already feel like I love it more since I'm I'm giving it a little bit less of a role in yeah. a weird way. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that's so amazing um, to recognize and to be able to say, yeah, no, you know what? This, I wanna go do this for a while and because what I'm doing right now doesn't, it's not it, you know, and yeah, giving yourself permission to go and do that. I think that's really, really brave and it's powerful. And I think it's so great for other people to hear and it doesn't just have to be one thing forever. You know, Mm -hmm. you've poured your heart into imperfectly tidy and it's a great thing that you love, but it doesn't mean that it's the only thing you're now
1: allowed to do. Exactly. And I struggled with that for a little bit Mm because I thought, I had to pick and then I realized yeah. no basically I'm just going to work with the clients that I already have and mm-hmm. they're ongoing clients anyway and I want to keep working with them mm-hmm. but I'd like to do something else too so I'm like I don't have to pick no that's amazing
0: are you going back into events
1: no um maybe I have a couple of feelers out there right now. We're going to see where I land. I might end up back in events. I do love events. That was always kind of my favorite part because I did a lot of events like with Imperfectly Tidy. I would do like clutter or I still do like clutter clinics and Mm -hmm. teaming up with other people. And it was, you know, it was like, I wanted to do an event. I always want to do an event. And so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for you. And I, I love hearing your story. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and share it. Do you have advice for someone else out there that might be thinking of making some sort of change or pivot? Any words of wisdom? I
1: always do the best, you know, what you need. And we seek a lot of outside advice and uh, we ask other people's opinions, but I think we always really know on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so Giving yourself a little bit of space to just sort of hear what your instinct is telling you because your instinct's always going to be right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just trust yourself. Trust yourself. You know, you know yourself better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I really, really appreciate our time together. I'm going to go ahead and link all your stuff so that people can come follow along for all the home mm-hmm. organization tips and all Thank of you. the good stuff that you offer. And again, I just appreciate you being here. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. All right. Bye, Danny. Bye.